Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Not many teams wait for a year or more to play a game they know will go down in folklore. Even less wait this time with the heaviest load to play a final against their neighbours from up the road. And fewer still will play in a derby like no other. The pits friend against friend and brother versus brother. But this is the fate that beckons right now for Real Sociedad of Donostia and Athletic Club of Bilbao. 111 years ago, these two sides vied for the Copa del Rey title in a year of divide where two showpieces took place in the very same year. Then, as now, history repeats. That much is clear. But will we have an outcome similar to that day where the Warriors of Athletic carried the cup away? Where the streets of Biscaya rose to salute heroes true as for the first time red and white triumphed over blue? Two great clubs, both alike in dignity, head for fair Seville where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, Basque bragging rights for the winning team. From Anueta come Gipuzkoa's pride, La Real, King Alfonso's science. And from San Mamez like a roaring tide, Athletic's proud Vizcaya Lions. The stage is set, all eyes appealed, we await the clarion call. For today the Icorinha flies as the proudest flag of all. Her sons have travelled south to the frying pan of Spain for victory, for glory, for honour and acclaim. There's talk of 87, 84 and 69, but when a derby meets a final, there's even more on the line. Because when all's said and done, they will sing of this day, the Euskal Derbia final in the Copa del Rey. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to a very special edition of the Ranks FC podcast brought to you in partnership with New Balance. My name is Jack Collins, and I will be your host today. And joining me, as ever, the Rank of Mr. Sam Tai. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a, it's a sunny week in England, which is nice. Uh, fitting, really, given the Copa del Rey final will be taking place in hot, sunny Spain. But, Jack, I must commend you. Wonderful poem. And one take as well. I always mock you for getting it wrong over and over and over and over and over and over again. But this time, genuinely, it was one take. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And, of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Yeah, love that hype, Jack. Love the hype. Look, it's cup final season, lads. We're heading into, this is the start of something special, right? Um, the business end of the season, as they used to call it in the tabloid trade. Um, I can't wait. I'm excited. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, today we're going to be previewing the upcoming Copa del Rey final between Athletic Club and Real Sociedad. We're going to take you on a tour of the Basque country, looking at the history of the game, the significance of the occasion, the uniqueness of this rivalry, what it would mean for both sides to take home this trophy. So in order to do that, we've got some very special interviews and the insight you need on the players to watch, things to be keeping an eye out as two Basque giants clash in the sunshine of Seville for a cup that neither has won for over 30 years. Mm. And stop it all off. We're running a little giveaway competition. We've got, oi, oi. yeah, exactly. It's, it's a special episode. I told you we have a Copa del Rey final edition Athletic Clubs shirt, courtesy of New Balance. It's got the embroidered middle bit with the game and the date and all of this in the middle. It's, it's beautiful. 
absolutely oh, beautiful. That's special. I know. And we'll be revealing details on how you can win that later on in the show. But first up, boys, oh, are we I'm excited. excited? Yeah. I'm really excited. Just just the shirt alone. How do I, you know, I'm going to be entering that because I love those shirts with the embroidery on. Like, I've always wanted, like, you see a walk out for any cup final on the day or a World Cup game or a Euros or whatever. And you're like, oh, I wonder how much one of those costs, really. Like, a lot of money is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't wait. I mean, obviously, it's a massive shame that there are no fans at this game. Um, as you mentioned in the poem, like, this game was put back a year basically because they hoped that they could have fans when they did eventually get this cup final to go ahead because it's such a you know it's such a big thing to have two sides from the same region going head to head in a Copa del Rey final they wanted fans there and you could imagine there would have been like 50,000 fans from the Basque country traveling 600 miles down to Seville it'd have been like cars overtaking each other with like flags and scarves out of the window they'd have been mocking each other there would have been chants everywhere um it would have been good-hearted I'm sure but also like you want to win and you want to get one over on your rivals of course you do in a cup final never more so yes it's a massive shame that we still haven't managed to get fans at the final but nonetheless this is a massive occasion for the region and I think the images that come out of it will still be amazing. Like, I can't wait to see how it's, how like the towns are decorated and stuff like that. And look, don't forget, lads, I'm still looking for a Spanish team to support, right? I've been very flaky. <laughs> I've been very flaky when it comes to picking a, a La Liga team. I've bounced from Barcelona to Real Madrid to Valencia all over the place. And I still haven't really put my time of colours to the mark. Yeah. yeah, I still haven't found a spiritual home. So maybe, who knows, it comes out of this cup final. Maybe oh. I find the club I really love. It's going to be very suspicious when the uh, shirt giveaway competition is won by someone called Gene Jones. <laughs> and it's going to be uh, his delivery address. It's, isn't that the same as Dean Jones? Interesting. He's just picked... <laughs> just picked the free shirt i I, i'm i'm with you dean i i I like the fact that they they pushed it one year thinking that'll be fine it's what i did with my wedding um and you know what you still you still end up skirting the edge of something quite quite dramatic because this has taken a long time to abate this pandemic but we are on the way out of it particularly in england it's a momentous week for that and it's a shame that we can't get the fans involved but as you say they'll celebrate it in style in their respective cities no doubt about it there's a man who should have been given his send-off in a raucous Yuskal Darbia and yet had to go quietly into the night. You know, just a word for Aritza Duris, uh, yeah. athletic club legend who, you know, retired at the end of last year. I think it was sort of May 2020 when he decided to hang up his boots. He should have been leading the line. In this. I mean, that bring him back sad. for the game. Yeah, I bring him back. He hasn't trained. He hasn't trained for a year. It doesn't matter. He's a I'm legend, sure. and he always scores. He always scores. Lareal would be would love nothing more than just like expecting to wake up facing Inaki Williams, and actually they just pulled a 37 year old Aritzaduris out of retirement to to lead the line one last time. But it, I don't know, mate. I still I still fancy that. him. Adarith would absolutely 100% score a scissor kick to win it. <laughs> so it <laughs> doesn't matter how old he is. His last kick in football, it would be. It would be, it would have been quite something. But yeah, no, just a word for him because he should have, he should have been part of this game. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have even done it just out of sentiment. You know, like when in America, a lot of teams just sign their final contract with the team that they like, their heart is truly with and they've never oh, yeah. actually played for them. The one like, day contract. Yeah, give him a one day contract. Yeah, but he did, he did retire at Athletic Club. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it wasn't in the. I wanted him to just be on the bench or something for this cup final, right? Yeah. That's all I want. 
I mean, he might get a medal because he played in the. I was thinking <laughs> yeah, about this. Of course, if you played in last year's Road to the Final, and you play enough games, do you get a medal? It should like, be the same squad. So like, even if you've been sold or loaned out since then, you have to come back and will, play the game. Will Martin Erdegaard get a medal if Real Sociedad win this? He's final? playing, like, mate. He's playing. Mad. He's number ten for the final. I mean, this seems <laughs> as a like a nice little segue, Sam, to talk us into the roads to the final and how these two sides got here because it it was quite eventful. Let's put it that way. It was, and it was also about a year ago. So if you've forgotten, like, I understand. Trust me, it's okay. And I'm here to just very briefly recap it. I'll take the Real Sociedad angle, and Jack, you can take the athletic angle after me. So the road to the final for Real Sociedad was pretty easy up to a certain point. They played Ceuta, they played Espanyol, they played Osasuna. They dealt with them quite easily. And then came the quarterfinals, where they played a remarkable game against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Martin Odegaard was on loan at Real Sociedad at the time from Real Madrid. And he opens the scoring for the visitors at the Bernabeu and looked extremely sheepish about it. <laughs> Alex Isak then volleys home, then slams home. And it's 3-0 to Real Sociedad after 55 minutes. And you know what the Bernabeu is like when that sort of thing happens. It's not mm. quite white hankies, but it's pretty close. <laughs> anyway, Marcelo gets one back and you think, here we go. Madrid response, here it comes. And he does... But not before Mikel Marino sneaks a fourth goal in for La Real. So then Madrid have to really ramp up that pressure. Rodrigo scores, Nacho Fernandez scores in, in stoppage time, but they run out of time for the equaliser and Real Sociedad escape the burnabout alive and kicking. The semi final was much more straightforward. They deal, they draw uh, a team named Mirandes from the Segunda. Um, they had to play them over two legs. They beat them and they managed to put one foot into the final there. I mean, look, as soon as as soon as Athletic Club had negotiated their quarterfinal and been drawn on the separate game to Real Sociedad for the semis, it became pretty clear, didn't it, that destiny was willing a Basque final. And fortunately, right. we got it. Yeah, the um, the first one since 1927, in fact, an all-Basque final. And the first time these two sides have met uh, since 1910, although in different form. So we've, we've been waiting a while, shall we say. Um, I mean, you mentioned it there, but... Athletic Club drew the other side of El Clasico in the quarterfinals uh, and they faced Barcelona um, at the Summer Men's. And I was watching back the highlights of it and the, the maddest thing is the crowd going absolutely wild because in the 93rd minute after a stalemate all game, uh, Cross comes in and Aritzaduri is actually <laughs> under pressure, forces Sergio Busquets to head into his own net and the place absolutely erupts. It's mad. Um, just seeing the crowd go so wild is it's so alien to us a year, a year and a bit on, right? Just being able to see a crowd absolutely losing it. But um, obviously they negotiated that. They had a slightly harder draw um, than their neighbours in yeah. the semi-finals, uh, And they came up against Sam's beloved Granada. Um, a tie that they navigated on away goals, basically. Um, and... It was brave from your boy, Sam. And I know you don't really want to talk about it because you were nine minutes from being in a cup final yourselves. Um, but it was uh, a Yuri Bacice strike, which sent Athletic Club roaring into the final. And what a strike it was as well. So, um, they, you know, both sides have navigated part of El Clasico um, and they've, uh, you know, secured their spots here. And it was a... A really kind of bizarre year to, to wait for it, but I think it's going to be worth it. Uh, interesting to note that Athletic Club have changed managers since they got to this final, which seems like 
you know absolutely insane in so many ways but but then again it's just not because it's a year on you know yeah. if, if this game was played when it's supposed to be they would they would have a different manager it's, it's absolutely as simple as that but Marcelino's in now and this man loves nothing more than cup finals does he Sam? He doesn't know. I mean, they might have a different manager, but have you noticed they've got the same shirt sponsor in New Balance? So it uh, might, might just be a lucky charm there. It might just be more to do with the sponsor than anything else. Well, three finals in, in these New Balance kits. So you had the obviously the Supercopper final, which they won. Mm-hmm. You got the Copa del Rey final from last year, which is this weekend. And then a couple of weeks, they're in this year's Copa del Rey final against Barcelona. Yeah, by the way, we mentioned that yet. This that's ridiculous. Like, you wait for one cup final and two come along at once, right? And uh... London buses. Yeah, but that's crazy. <laughs> Crazy getting ready for one cup final. And like, right, what's next game? Oh, another cup final in a couple of weeks. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, look, Marcelino is is someone who likes the Copa del Rey. Uh, he's won it with Valencia. He's already won his first trophy with Athletic. So this is a good this is a good start. And uh, they've looked good. They've looked very good since changing managers. Uh, a little bit more expansive. A little bit less defensive. Um, and we'll get onto a bit more of how Athletic play and the dynamics of their play a little bit later on. But they're in very good, experienced hands here in the form of Marcelino now. Yeah, I was going to say as well, like, obviously, we, we haven't really spoken about this yet either. But like a big thing of Athletic Club, obviously, is that the players they use uh, come from the region. Right. And that's not the case with the coaches, is it? Like they do, the coach doesn't need to be from the region. And so like that, that's probably worth pointing out right now. And I saw a quote actually from... Marcelino and he says you know when he came into the the club the thing you notice straight away is what it means for the community and like the sense of belonging in the football club it's almost like unlike anything else you can really get in football like imagine just the team that you support right now whoever that is in whichever country but only picking players from that region like imagine the sense of togetherness. And that's what he says. He said there's like this belonging and it makes a very special United dressing room. The players have known each other since childhood. Their families all know each other. Like even before they get to the stage where their sons are playing together in the first team of the athletic club, like they've probably known each other for years anyway. In other clubs, he says, you have to work for that level of togetherness and you have to build it and you know, really work hard at it because it's a really difficult thing to do because typically players come from not just different parts of the country but all over the world right and it's not the case here and the players don't come from different cultures or different have different mindsets like they are one and, and he says that that's been totally different for him but quite helpful by the sound of it to be honest well yeah i mean we talked to benya gutierrez of la liga donut uh, la liga lowdown and the choco podcast uh, and his interviews are going to be a little bit later in the pod but he talked about the difference between the the stylistic natures of uh athletic club and Real sociedad of how they bring players through and the kind of localism versus hyper localism and it's all really really intriguing um so to, there, there's more coming on, on this and and exactly what makes these two clubs so special uh, a little bit later but you, you're absolutely right dean and an interest it's interesting you mentioned that the coaches don't have to come from the region like the players do and, and interestingly there's there's a massive English element to this and for years and years and years sort of culminating I suppose with Javier Clemente they had something called the English way at Athletic Club and it comes from a host of managers in their early days most notably probably Fred Pentland who Athletic Club's Peña in London is named after the Mr. Pentland Club and there's a whole mythos around the way the Athletic Club play the way the stylistic nature of it and and I actually think Sam that 
Marcelino fits nice, quite nicely into this with his 442. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to be that reductive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're famous for the 442, and uh, Marcelino plays a very good 442. Uh, <laughs> Athletic do have those elements to it, so it does feel like quite a nice match on paper. And most importantly, it's looking like quite a good match on, on the pitch as well. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on to some players to watch? Uh, have a little mm. look at, at some of the names that we think are going to light up this game before we move on to our first interview. And and DJ, why don't you start us off? I will do that. I want to point out, first of all, that I used to call Athletic Club Athletic Bilbao. And so did a lot of people of my age and older in this country of the UK. So um, anyone out there is a bit confused so far that's like from me, probably just mainly my mates that listen to this podcast. But lads, we're talking about the team that you would know as Athletic Bilbao, but they're actually called Athletic Club. And anyway, they have got a forward called Iñaki Williams. And lads, what a player. Now, he's basically the star, right? Um, he's currently on 185 consecutive La Liga games. He's third in the all-time records list and he's first for Athletic Club. The record's 202 games, and that's actually held by Real Sociedad's one Antonio Laraniaga. Um, but look, Iñaki Williams is an icon. And personally, now when I think of this team, like that's the person I picture. If you were to like think what stands for it, like that's the player I'm imagining straight away in my head is Iñaki Williams. And that there have been plenty of links that I've been told about before, written about before probably of him leaving and joining another team. Well, although I love transfers, I do not want that to happen because Iñaki Williams is Athletic Club. And I also love his style of play. Look, he's so fast and I love that. But you can also, like, has this ability to be like in tight areas of the pitch and they'll box him in. Sometimes there's been instances where you get three, maybe even four players around him and he's got ridiculously quick feet and he can like, in two or three flicks of sometimes the same boot, he's out of there. It's ridiculous what he can do. Um, he can play off the right, he can play through the middle, um, I love the way that, yeah, he also has this ability to, he just teases people and he'll like, say he's on the right flank, right? He'll, he'll pick up the ball and he'll start get moving and I'll be like, oh, hang on a second. No, no, no. I'm going to tease this fella. And the guy, the, def the fullback will run out or whatever, or the midfielder, and he'll go to close him down and he'll just really slow down the play. He'll slow it down and he'd pull out a trick from absolutely nowhere, knocks it past him and he's gone like a steam train and like you ain't catching him once he gets going past you. Um, <laughs> He's just a player, to be honest, that brings a lot of joy. And I think that that's why, like, through my time of watching La Liga, um, he's been a player that I've always enjoyed to watch just because you know he's always going to try and make things happen. Um, look, unless you're playing against him, of course, like in that instance, you're not going to enjoy watching him. But, <laughs> but as a neutral or as an athletic club fan, like in Yaki Williams, like just a joy, just a joy. And a man who this year has pulled out the goods in a cup final already because we need to talk about his goal against <laughs> okay. Barcelona in yeah. extra time of the Supercopa final. He, you know, jinx inside the box and just unleashes an absolute perler from mm -hmm. the edge of the box. Top bin, no keeper in the world is saving it. Uh, it turns out to be the winning goal and it is just absolutely outrageous. What a strike. And to do that into extra time, you know, 105 odd minutes into the game you know where everyone is kind of a bit knackered it's just exceptional he's an exceptional talent i know can you imagine jack like for us like watching fulham say we were in the europa league final and like we went into extra time against atletico madrid imagine a lad from fulham 
doing that. It's basically what happened. Like imagine the connection you've already got with your players at that point, but like having that extra element as well, like, I can't even imagine like how mad you would go when that goal goes in. Absolutely. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, right. Let's flip things on and I'll go from a talisman of one to Talisman of the other, I want to talk about Mikel Oyarzabal of Real Sociedad. He's La Real's captain, been with the club since he was 14. Uh, he's been a long-term target for Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. He's 23 years old and he has 218 senior caps for Real Sociedad, which is frankly ridiculous. It's outrageous. 11 caps for his country as well. And... I mean, I was going to argue, what can this man do? And it's probably easy to discuss what he can't. Um, He is a proper little Swiss army knife of a player. And for someone who plays nominally on the wing, he sort of plays everywhere. And he's a strange one, I think, in in many ways, because he's not that quick. He doesn't seem to be that brilliant a dribbler on viewing. And yet he continually provides so much in an attacking sense in pretty much all areas. He gets wide and drills in beautiful crosses. He drifts into the middle and then controls the game. His work rate is absolutely through the roof uh, in terms of where he comes back, intercepts and starts transitions. And he just continually impresses me. Every time I watch Oyazabal, he shines. And for a player that doesn't obviously excel in loads of physical attributes. He always makes me smile. And that's something I think that's probably a little bit underrated in these parts. A lot of people will tell you about, oh, you know, look at his finishing ability. I'm like, yeah, sure, he has that. Look at his dribbling ability. Yeah, he could beat a man. Like, yeah, he could cross. Like, he can do all of these things. But with without all said, he's just a majestic watch. And mm. he, he sort of drifts into the half spaces he's an incredibly clever player he takes the ball beautifully on the turn he's able to shoot from distance he's able to glide into the box he just does a little bit of everything and and I think that makes him not only incredibly dangerous but also incredibly unpredictable and you're sort of watching and going oh what's he gonna do now (laughs) and 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 that for me is the mark of someone who's exceptionally special yeah great great patience of movement with uh with Oyasabal picks up the right spots there's a there's a Thomas Muller element of uh round doitery kind of right place right time anticipation sense from him which makes up for a lack of physical attributes which is quite good but i'm gonna take us back to athletic and talking of players that make you smile jack i've got got a player that makes me smile a storyline that that could make me weep if it comes true to be quite honest with you i'm gonna single out ikamunayin who has been a consistent starter for athletic since 2009 and Mm. he's 28 years of age so like he made his, his debut in La Liga age 16, became the youngest ever to do so. That record has been surpassed since, but by 17, he was just a standard starter on this team and has been ever since. Um, in 2012, he was, he was a leading light in the athletic team that reached the Europa League final and the Copa del Rey final under Marcelo Bielsa's tutelage, the, the team that thrilled us with some incredible football, some amazing stuff. And he was one of the key players and the key faces of the club. And I, I think a lot of us kind of expected him to drive Athletic to victory. And I think we also kind of fell into the trap of thinking that he was older and more experienced and, and perhaps more capable than he was because he was still at this point only 20 years of age, young shoulders, shouldering a lot of weight of expectation. And really, we forgot that he was still a young man learning his craft and that those finals didn't go to plan for Athletic. And actually, the next couple of years didn't either because he tore his ACL twice in the space of two years, one on each knee. 
and he's had to work back multiple times from ACL tears. It's been very difficult. And he's now 28 years of age, and he enters this final as the veteran and the presence that we probably mistook him for back in 2012. Yep. It was probably wrong to suggest that he was that last time, but this time he is the experienced head. He's one that has fought back from adversity, and crucially, he's sparkling on the pitch again. So perhaps labelling this final as Munayin's shot at like redemption is a bit dramatic, but... Ultimately, after he signed his new contract in 2018, which came without a release clause, which is extremely atypical because contracts in, in La Liga and particularly with Athletic have was always got release clause in there for legal reasons. But he said he didn't want to be for sale and he didn't want to have a price. He just wants to go hand in hand with Athletic to the end. He's happy. He's grateful. He has great love for the club. It's pride and passion, which is just amazing. And it does probably tell you that he, you know, several years on from the disappointment of 2012, is looking at this, is targeting this for his hometown club, the kid that just supports Athletic and is thinking, this is a chance to deliver the trophy that I want and the fans will love. So Munayin playing off the left-hand side now of this 4-4-2, such a diminutive little playmaker, technically so sweet, such a threat from range, a fantastic weapon to have in the offensive third and such a hard worker and has such good teamwork as well. Right. He'll be key, uh, not just on the pitch, but with the mentality and the psyche and the approach to the team that Athletic take. Yeah, I mean, Narrative FC are supporting Ika Munayin, aren't they? Like, yes. They're, they're, they're ultimately, you look at the story that you've just told, and, and Narrative FC are fully on board with the, the Munayin redemption story. Well, this seems as good a time as any to give you the details, give you the lowdown on our very special shirt giveaway for this Copa del Rey final in association with New Balance Football. It's really, really simple to enter. Go onto our Twitter, at Rank Squad. Make sure you are following us. Make sure you are following at MB Football on there. Like the tweet, give it a retweet, and you'll be in the competition to win yourself a special commemorative edition Copa del Rey final shirt for Athletic Club. And talking of Athletic Club, I think it's time for our first interviewee. So I'm delighted to say we're getting an athletic perspective here from the sales director of Athletic Club, Herman Mujueta, member for 30 years and a boyhood athletic fan. Herman, how are you feeling? One, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And two, have the nerves kicked in yet? Well, thank you for having me here. Well, pretty nervous. We're getting getting to the the final date, let's say. So so expected after a year of wait. Uh, so really excited uh, for the for the final. Yes. Come on, I'll jump in here for the first major question. Uh, Athletic have won the Copa del Rey twenty three times, second most of any club, but the last time came in nineteen eighty four. So it has been a while. How much will it mean to the club and the city as a whole? If you win it. Well, first of all, I want to say it's not 23, it's 24, actually. Uh, this huh? first cap, this very first cap, was, uh, is not recognized by the Federation still. And we, but we, you will also say, uh, say it all our numbers, that is 24 that we have uh, in our museums. And uh, okay. I love it, I love it. It's because, it's because uh, it was the first, uh, the very first trophy celebrated in Spain uh which was uh, given by Alfonso the king and it was given the it was the time in 1902 so this was the very first one nice. um and yes i mean it's been many years now i can remember still 1984 so it's very 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 it's been a very long time and in the meantime i mean we've been going through uh some of the finals and some some other challenges that we haven't been able to 
to to win, let's say. So now it's um, it's really special to go back and stay back in the final in, in good shape, we think, and with a lot of challenges to chances to 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 win this cup. You haven't won the Copa del Rey for you know thirty plus years, but you have yeah. won trophies in that time, the Super Copa recently, yeah. but also in twenty fifteen when you battered a Barcelona team that had just won the European treble, Messi, Neymar, 5-1 on aggregate. What yeah. were the scenes like when that happened? Well, that was crazy. That was a special moment because at that time, that even, that final was playing a two-game final. So it was, uh, so it's even more difficult because in a one-game final, uh, you know, anything can happen between, yeah. no matter what the team. I mean, we were playing at that time and we had the bad luck, let's say, that in the last couple of rave finals, we played against, all the times against the best Barca ever. Mm. Uh, so yeah, now it's is the time, and it was really special that time. I remember 2000, 2009. It was the very first final after many many years, and uh, and then others came along in 2012, 2015. So uh, that was a big big moment for us because Copa del Rey for us uh, is the is the the trophy that we won the most times. So as I said, and uh, and for the fans and for everybody, it's really special. It's really it really belongs to the club. You know, at that time history it said long time ago uh, when the final came, uh, the news said the couple of Ray final is being played is Athletic Club against all the team. So it was <laughs> always us in the final. So so it's really special for us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen the pictures from those scenes in 2015 and, and the entire city is painted red and white. And, you know, I've been to Bilbao and it is a city that lives and breathes football. And it just, I'd just love to get a kind of flavor of just how momentous those wins were and what that would mean, especially in difficult times where fans can't be there. And obviously it's, it's a little bit different this year, but to the city as a whole, just such an uplift, it seems like it would be something that would be just wonderful at this time. Yeah. I mean, it will be now today. If you walk uh, around Bilbao, all the balconies are uh, dressed up in, in red and white. Uh, you know, people, this team is, is integrated into the city, into the fans. So it's uh, uh, they belong each other, so everybody's together. So it's really, really special. Uh, uh, at that time, it was too. I mean, I remember I was there at the celebration in 18, 1983 and 1984, both times. 83 for, for La Liga and 84 for the doublet. We won La Liga and the Copa del Rey also. And uh, it was a special moment. It was crazy. Uh, the celebration on the town hall platform, it was really different from other celebrations at uh, historical celebrations. And it uh, gathered over a million people all together, all from Biscaya, wow. from all Atletico Bilbao fans. It was crazy. Yeah, really special. I mean, this crop of players as well. I mean, club legends in the likes of Ika Munayin and Oscar de Marcos, Iñaki Williams, Raul Garcia, two bites of the cherry, two finals in a month. And it, it feels like this batch of players deserves to win something given the journeys in 2012, which ended in, in such sadness after such an incredible run. They deserve it. They're dying for it, actually. It's the good thing that uh, they're really well experienced for those finals, some of them. And they know what can, what can happen well, for the good and for the bad. I mean, so they're ready for fighting for that again. And uh, I'm sure getting the trophy back home. I just want to touch on one of the particular parts of the celebration, uh, and it's the barge. Can you explain the barge, the tradition, and your memories of it as well? Because I've heard some things. I've heard some things about yes. you and the barge. Uh, well, yeah, well, the barge was really a different thing uh, because um, in the old times, 
when the top won a, when the club won the trophy, they they used to celebrate it. They came from Madrid. Normally, the city that was celebrate the celebration of the Copa del Rey finals was in Madrid uh, most of the times. But anyways, when they came to the city, they jumped on a truck on a big on a big truck, and they they walked uh, they drove they drove around the, the the whole province because they wanted to celebrate with a with a with the whole province of Vizcaya with the, with everybody as much as much, as many people as possible. But in 1983, uh, there was this idea of uh, of one of the of the club directors that said, "Why don't we celebrate in a special way?" Because we still want to celebrate with as many people as we can. So they thought about the about the bars. They said, "This is a really you know uh, Bilbao has a lot of links with uh, with the industry and uh, and the river, and the bars has a lot of meanings to us because it's, it's it means the the link to to the economy to the to the way of living of the people. So it's a really nice way of of of, of this icon to be." Uh, also linked uh, to the club. So they decided to put this part on the end of the river and go all alongside up the river in order to celebrate together openly with all the fans and being able to share with everybody because they were in open air, you know, uh, uh, sailing the, the river up uh, all the way up to the to the town hall when they yeah. uh, disembark and then they go to the town hall and celebrate with the people. So this was, this was the, the special thing before. It, it was something really new. And this in 84, of course, it was retained and, and remained as a, as a way of celebrating the big titles. And uh, ever since, I mean, this is the, the, the icon that we, we want to, to use when we celebrate a, an important title. So Only reserved for a really important title. So <laughs> if Athletic win, could we see the barge again? Well, uh, Actually, I tell you, uh, it's been in the museum, in the in the in the sea museum for many many years. Ever since then, kept in shape and everything. Uh, it wasn't able to to sail the river uh, because of the many years without being uh, without use. And uh, uh, two months ago, we did a sailing test again, just in case. Okay. Uh, it's not going to be the case, I guess, because because of the COVID restrictions, we need to be really careful, and we cannot. Uh, sadly, we cannot. We, this time, we will not be able to be uh, sharing the trophy with uh, the whole mass of fans all together. It would be it's it's going to be impossible. But once the COVID restrictions are over, I don't know. Maybe we need to celebrate again and, and do it. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be would be extremely happy to see that pulled out when the when the restrictions are lifted. And finally, Herman, how much does it mean to play this final against Basque neighbours in La Real in a in a region so steeped in football history? Both sides. There hasn't been an all Basque country final in the Copa del Rey since 1927 and Real Union and Arenas. So it's it's been a long time since we saw a, a regional final. How much does that mean to the people? Well, it means a lot because uh, I mean, for us, one of the reasons to to have this final postponed later from uh, from the beginning of the of the restrictions last year was that we wanted to play with fans in the stadium, and that was the that was the reason. And uh, the reason for that, it was agreed uh, among both teams. It was because we wanted to share this with uh, with with all the fans. I mean, you can imagine there is well, there is even players that have played in both teams. Yeah. But there is families here that in the same family, there are fans for both teams. So it's really special. And uh, 
for us is uh, is the um, I think is the is the example of uh, of showing to this uh, to this world of football of today's football that uh, that a special moment can be can be reached uh from a playing football from a different perspective that's in our case in athletic club also i think somehow also real sociedad which also uh does it in a special way but i think for us it's really special to showcase how different we can do things it's not only it's not important only to win but it's also important how to win for us that is so being together in the field and uh showcasing this for us uh, both teams is really special and for the whole Basque country for the whole society for us, it's, it's really special. Well, thank you, Arman, so much for, for joining us. It's been a, a real pleasure to have you on to chat to us. Thank you for having me again. Uh, and I hope we can bring uh, good news uh, next week and having we can lift a trophy back again. Well, there's the athletic club perspective and it's obvious what it's going to mean to them this final and, and, and winning this competition would mean to them. Let's take things a little bit more general, boys, shall we, for, for a little while and... Let's talk a little bit about some things to look out for. And Dean, I know you've got one close to your heart to start us off. Yeah, I think, look, first of all, like David Silva plays for Real Sociedad and we cannot underplay how important he has been to this team since joining. Now, if you cast your mind back to him leaving City, like there were doubts whether he would ever leave City at all, to be honest. And part of me expected him to just retire there. Like he was, he became such an important figure to not just the team on the pitch, but what the club became after he joined he was pretty much the first world-class player in my opinion anyway to become part of the city set up and they just built and built from there um he could have joined Lazio I remember writing a story about him like getting close to joining Lazio and then here we go he ends up joining Real Sociedad and lads let me just give you some numbers I mean I'm not great at maths but I have been casting my eyes over some some David Silva numbers and I'm I'm pretty sure they're right if they're not they're close (laughs) um in La Liga this season he's played 17 games and Real Sociedad have lost three times right in all competitions for Real Sociedad he's missed 17 games they have only won once like that's that's the difference here in the shift of like a team with David Silva and without him. It's ridiculous. But guess who the only win was against without him? An athletic club. It was, yeah, 1-0. <laughs> so they can still win this game if he's not playing. But look, you look at like, I was just going through like the stretches of games and like how it figured when he was playing and when he wasn't playing. And there was a six game stretch in October, November. And with Sociedad, and Sociedad won all six games with him, right? There was then an 11-game run, and Silva was struggling with injuries. He mostly didn't play at all, but he had, like, one run out of sub. He started one game. They didn't win. They didn't win any game. They couldn't win when he wasn't around. Um, and he came back to action against Cadiz, and in February, that was. Sociedad suddenly went on a run, five unbeaten. He comes back. It's magic. He's literally a magician. Um, so if you look at his stats, if you just like quickly go, oh, how's David Silva doing? He's got one goal and four assists. So you'd be like, oh, he's not doing as well as I thought. You look deeper, he's running the place. He's absolutely running the place. Um, and it's it's understandable, right? Because the thing that City always loved about Silva was not just what he's capable of in obvious stats, but like the way that he brought through Phil Foden, for example, and like it's that presence, it's that leadership, it's having him as part of the football club to, to bring people through, but also his control of an actual game is pretty much invaluable and to like help the people around him position-wise. 
look, he's had injury problems and it's obvious at this stage of his career that's going to happen. Recently, there, there has been a back problem that's, that's caused an issue and there's some doubt as to whether he's even fit right now. Um, was so it in the squad for the, for the game before the international break, was he at all? Yeah, exactly. So we'll have to see um, whether he's available for Real Sociedad, but oh my God, when he's not there, there's just a huge part missing. But as I say, they did, they did win without him this season. So all hope is not lost. All hope's not lost. Yeah, it's um, well, he is obviously crucial, and I think that you know, record of, of wins and losses there that you mentioned at the start is absolutely nuts. I remember looking at something similar about points per game, and I think it was just the Liga a couple of months back. So these stats are slightly out of date, but at one point, Lareal were picking up sort of 2.1 points per game with David Silver in the side, and it fell to sort of 0.92 with him out of the side. And you're looking at that going, that's amazing. That's absolutely incredible in terms of, <laughs> of the fall off. And, and like Sam says, they will be deeply, deeply concerned if he is not back for this game. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Sam, let's take it onwards. Uh, I know you have some tactical tweaks for us to have a little peek at. Yeah, well, we go from a, a key man for Real Sociedad to a key man for Athletic. I mean, we've already talked about Inyaki, we've already talked about Ike Munayin, and then we're going to look at Yuri Pachice, who scored that goal against Granada. Thanks for mentioning the team. Sorry, mate. There, Jack. Yuri is important, very important in this team. And it's not surprising, given how Marcelino has tended to set his teams up in the past. So they play a 4-4-2 under Marcelino. That is his trademark formation. It's the one he used elsewhere. It's the one he used really well at Valencia. And a feature of his 4-4-2 is the fullbacks getting very, very involved in the attacking side of the game via overlaps or even via underlaps. And they're constantly pushing forward with the ball. They have to be very aggressive with their dribbling. They have to find clever runs inside and out. And they have to get into the box. They have to try and overload those areas. Now, that definitely has carried out over into athletic setup. And Yuri... Bacicce at left back has become particularly important. That's not to discredit a combination of Ander Kappa and Oscar Di Marcos on the right-hand side who also contribute, but Yuri in particular has developed into a really, really powerful ball carrier. He's a very, very good crosser and he's someone that can burst to the outside and whip in a ball or he can dip inside and either shoot and my goodness me, when he releases the Kraken, that crossbar is shaking with fear or we can play a nice through ball into the run of an attacker as well. The game before the international break against Eibar, he scored a cracking volley. It was, it was a true beauty. And if you want to get a flavor for what the approach is going to be for Athletic, you take a look at the stats. They are second in La Liga for crosses attempted, just over 550 this season. And there is a clear skew towards the left-hand side in their approach play. They attack down the left more than they attack down the middle or down the right. And that is because Yuri is there and Yuri is brilliant. Now, Athletic have got Inyaki Williams. They've got Raul Garcia. They've got Asia Via Libre. They've got the, the kind of player here, the kind of attacking player who can get into the box and feed off this service. So no wonder they do it because they've got the assets. And if Yuri finds his rhythm in this game, it's going to be very, very difficult to stop. And whenever he plays well, Athletic basically are not stopped from an attacking perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that combination with him and Munayin is is wonderful, isn't it? The yeah. fact that they can both duck inside and out, the fact that they dovetail so nicely down that left-hand side. Uh, and there's going to be a job on for whoever is picked at her right back for Real Sociedad to, to try and stop that. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, we talked earlier on um, 
about Oyazabal's defensive ability and the fact that he tracks back. Obviously, he's played a lot on the left, but he's comfortable on either side. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if there are parts of that game where he switches over to the right in order to you know, provide that defensive shield against that kind of bombing on left-hand side of, of Athletic Club. Um, so that's one to, to keep an eye out for, I think. Mm. Um, right, let me take you on to Narrative FC. Um, Narrative of FC... Course. Want to talk about trumpets? Um, <laughs> in the words of an old advert from the UK, bring on the trumpets! Um, if Athletic win, the band might come out. Basically, uh, some of you will remember seeing um, that in the game against Barcelona in that Super Copa after Athletic Club won, Asia Via Libre, who Sam just mentioned, brought the trumpet onto the pitch and played it. And um, uh, in the in the athletic club celebrations, um, what less of you will have probably seen is that in the ensuing celebrations and the the kind of party that followed, um, there was a huge huge band practice basically that exploded, and there was a lot of athletic club members in it. So Asia Libre is in it, Mikel Balenciaga's in it, Mikel Vesca's in it, Inigo Lecu's in it, Oscar De Marcos is in it, Danny Garcia's in it. They basically have a band called Orsai, which means offside. Um, it's a six-part band. And in the celebrations after the Supercopa win, they played a cover of ACDC's Highway to Hell um, <laughs> on a stage. It was pretty mad. They you know, seemed to have a, a, a great time. Everyone was having fun. Um, and yeah, they, they basically, they've, they've got another, they've got this whole band capacity going on. So... I'm just excited, though, to see if, if Athletic do get this over the line, uh, if Asia Villalibre brings the trumpet back onto the pitch, because what, what we saw there was, was something spectacular, and there's nothing I love more than, than a little bit of live music to, to mix. Totally. Up. Also, totally. if they could release a song to commemorate a final win, it could be the worst song in the world, and it would probably be the top-selling single in the history mm. of the city of Bilbao, <laughs> because Bizkaya, of what it would yeah. mean. Absolutely. That's, this has got me thinking. Ranks FC the band, right? Okay. So what are we doing? Like Jack's the only one with any, any musical ability. <laughs> I've any always musical. said, I've always said when I've discussed this with my friends, um, I've always said that I would either do triangle or spoons. Spoons, okay. So well, I think triangle's probably got a bit more to it. Yeah. So you're on the triangle. I mean, Jack, how many things can you do at once? What do you reckon you could do? <laughs> yeah, I think sing sing is gonna be one of them. Probably, what else? Well, I mean, obviously my musical range is, is varied, but I think I'd have to go guitar and vocals, wouldn't I? Because that's probably going to give us the most thrust for, yeah, for that's the money. Fine. You know, I, I, could, mean, I'm grade I could one play piano, the drums. Yeah. I'm grade one piano. I don't, I was joking about the triangle thing. I don't. Oh, you do have grade one piano. I don't okay. appreciate the disrespect you're showing me at all. Like, okay. I, am, I am a musician. Yeah, I had one guitar lesson <laughs> when I was, how old was I? 12. And I just did it because quite a few of my mates were doing it. I thought it would be cool. I did one lesson. I remember just like not concentrating or listening to most of the stuff he told me. And then he gave me the sheet of prices for like how much it was going to cost to continue the lessons and thinking, mum and dad ain't going for this. Like, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even pretend that I'm, I'm going to be carrying this on. Also, you have to go and buy a guitar or something. No, and, but um, like, if, there was one, if there was one thing I wish I could play, it's definitely the guitar. I wish that the three of us watching this Copa del Rey final on, on Saturday night, uh, which we are going to do, by the way, because we're allowed to meet up in gardens. So we're going to watch this game hopefully together in a garden uh, if we can get a screen outside. Shall I bring um, a guitar? Bring your guitar, 
bring a guitar and um if <laughs> i'll give everyone a i'll give everyone a tune i'll bring my guitar we, media. Can, we can see what you play uh, okay right fine done <laughs> sorry about that lads that that got that got a bit sidetracked didn't it no i like that a lot i like that a lot <laughs> Uh, that was fun. Right. Uh, with that, it's probably time to get some insight on what this means as a regional affair. So uh, we spoke to Benya Gutierrez of the Choco podcast and La Liga Lowdown and Radio Popular about what this game means for the Basque country as a whole. Can you hear purple? Listen to turquoise? What's the sound of a rainbow? Let's get real. Trying to sell TVs with audio is pretty dumb. So listen to me, Joel McHale. All we want is great-looking TVs with our favorite features, like the quality of Dolby Vision IQ, the smarts of Android TV, and the vibrancy of Quantum.Color. TVs like the Hisense ULED series. Visit Hisense.com and see for yourself. Hisense. Let's get real. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Benya, thank you so much for joining us to give us a flavour of the historical significance, the local significance of the derby this weekend. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Uh, Benya, I'll get in with the first question before Jack can jump in. And it is about (laughs) the significance of this occasion for the Basque region itself. This is the first All-Basque Copa del Rey final in its current format. And it's the first meeting since 1910 back when Real Sociedad were called Vasconia? And it's actually a pretty fascinating story that uh, has so many uh, coincidences with uh, this year because that 1910, uh, when Athletic played against this Vasconia sporting club that was one of the predecessors of Real Sociedad, um, was also a year with two Copa finals. That is right. something that is very uncommon because... Um, till that year, it was Madrid Football Club, now known as Real Madrid, who was hosting every year um, the Copa. It was um, joined by a Madrid Football Association to organize the tournament. And that year, what happened is that the club who won the, the prior tournament, that was also from, from Donostia, um, they were quite upset. Um, they were like, we are the reigning champions. We wanna host uh, our tournament in in Donosti, and what happened is that there was a fight in the federation, and there were two copas: one by the new formed union of a Spanish football clubs that never legally constituted, but they were able to just organize this uh, this tournament, and the one um, organized by the federation that just had. Three teams. I think it was Barcelona and Deportivo and Español. It was Barcelona who won. And the other thing about that tournament is that um, the club that started everything, that Sociedad Ciclista uh, of uh, San Sebastián, uh, wasn't able to to take part because they didn't match the requisites. So they had to play under the Vasconia name because it was an older team that was matching all those requisites. And also that Madrid didn't play the tournament in Madrid. And there are several explanations for this, but I think Real Madrid fans um, will prefer the explanation that says that Real Madrid wanted to play against the best. This is the kind of narrative 
they keep pushing over and over the <laughs> the years. But that was quite a weird um, uh, year. But I think it has the ingredients to understand what's the rivalry between Real Sociedad and Athletic. Because when the final came, what happened was that Real Sociedad was like, okay, we need the first, the Vasconia that currently is recognized as the predecessor of Real Sociedad. They were like, okay, we need to win this. This is in our home. We can just uh, lose against Bilbao. So what happened? That they just got uh, two British players, one English and one Scottish. And then Athletic was like, no, no, okay, we get four. And they got four uh, British players to play in that final. And then Real Sociedad was like, okay, so we're going to get a guy that plays for Madrid Football Club, but he's going to play the final with us. Uh, <laughs> and you see that kind of action, reaction yeah. <laughs> that has characterized the relationship between Athletic and Real. And going more to what means this year, it's great for the media. Um, it's helping a lot. Like, for example, the Basque uh, public... Uh, Television is doing this uh, slogan that says "Buy Alabai," uh, which is Basque is yes or yes because a Basque team is is gonna win regardless. But um, part of the meaning of this uh, party, big party of the Basque football, is lost because we are not gonna be able to share it. We are not gonna be able to be together, and that means that some of the things that for sure, we would share between teams on a normal final. I'm sure there would be like demonstrations. There'll be like, it, the game would be basically a platform also for some uh, political demands of the Basque people. That's not going to be there because nobody's going to be allowed to be with the fans of the other team if they are not family or live together because that's another thing. We won't be allowed to... Um, be with our friends. We can just watch the final with people that we live uh, yeah. with because that's the, the current rules here. So I guess um, with the years going by, we'll understand this as the big uh, moment for bass football it is. But now it doesn't feel what is happening. It feels like two teams that have been waiting for a year to play each other and they just viciously want to win the game yeah it feels a bit like that doesn't it that the the whole political side of it is is lost a little bit to the football and it is actually the football that matters now whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is is, is up for debate right and and there'll be plenty of people on both sides of that argument but this fixture is a little bit different isn't it i mean not only is it common for fans to mix on derby day there's plenty of traditions involved around it obviously the parade and the Bersa de Bia, and there's not going to be any fans at the stadium but it also as you say has such political significance and has done for a long long time and i'm going to take it back to, to 1976 oh, yeah. the derby of the Corinia, uh, and the fact that Ignacio Cortabaria and Jose Angel Iribar carried out the flag of the Basque country just a year after General Franco's death, when it was still an offence punishable by a prison sentence to carry that flag. And that was the catalyst of the legalisation of showing the Acuña. It's, it's an incredible, it's an incredibly poignant and significant fixture. Absolutely. That's probably the most politically relevant moment in the history of Basque football. And we, we need to understand the, the context. No, I think you, you spent very well. Uh, Franco died in 1975. In 1976, 
as uh, Chevy Chase will say, uh, Generalissimo Franco was still dead, but politically he was uh, very alive. Yeah. And there was no, there were a lot of basic democratic uh, demands from the vast people that were still uh, denied. Um, Spain was uh, very far from being a democracy at, the, at that point. And that gesture by Cortavarria, captain of uh, La Real and Iribar, who's a legend here in, in Bilbao, um, made a change because it was uh, like telling the Spanish authorities, like, we are not afraid. We're going to fight for this. We're going to do it peacefully, or at least some. We're going to do it peacefully. And we, we, we are not uh, worried about what, what you're going to do to us. And there's a third character in that story that I find amazing. It's Jose and de la Oz. If you look at the picture, it's the guy who you, you won't see his face. You will see his legs. That's the guy who sort of had the idea. That's the guy who promoted everything. He was very, very politically invested to a point that is impossible to think nowadays. I know that footballers are now activists, yeah. but this was different. This yeah, was yeah. a guy who was arrested and beaten up by the police and then came up with the idea of, and doing this Ikurinia performance. And he even asked uh, his daughter to just show the, the I was Ikurinia. I say, he didn't play very much, did he? But he, made, he had the flag made specifically. Yeah, exactly. And then he was the guy who just knocked the, the glass of the locker room in La Real. And like, okay, here you have the flag. I'm going to be in. I'm, I'm going to make it possible for this Ikurinia to, to get to the field. It, it's an amazing story that shows how these two clubs uh, share uh, a big part of their history and how when the freedom and the rights of us people are on the line, they will just join and work together. Yeah, but that, that speaks to an immense amount of pride in the region and pride in their own as well. And linking it back to modern day and to football and specifically to squad building and how they operate in the transfer market, there's a common thread between these two teams, but there's also a very, very significant difference in how they operate. Can you just explain uh, what that is? Both teams um, really rely on their academies, on their canteras. And that's a fact. Both Lezama, that is the Academy of Athletic, and Zubieta, one for Real Sociedad, are top academies in Spain. What happened is that uh, it was probably not a very thought decision, but uh, historic circumstances that made Real Sociedad decide to incorporate foreign players to help uh, those uh, local guys that were developing in Zubieta. And, and that's a key moment when Aldrich joins Real Sociedad, that actually is also another action-reaction situation because Athletic signs Loren, then other teams sign, I think it's up to seven players from La Real, and they are like, okay, there's no point in keep going with our policy of signing just bass players because we don't have enough academy players to fill in for seven spots in the in the first team. And then that's when they decide to to start signing um, foreign players. And that's the moment where you finally define not just La Real but Athletic. Because as soon as Athletic is the only one carrying this signing policy, it's not a signing policy anymore, but it's like the foundational myth of the club. It's a unique philosophy that separates Athletic from all the other teams in Spain and almost in the world. So even in this case, what we see 
is that both teams help each other share, shaping their identities. And this is still a thing that I think is very important. There are some exceptions during the years, but for La Real, when things are going okay, is when they have strong players from Gipuzkoa or from the Basque Country. When they start uh, doing experiments, trying to find uh, these kind of um, market bargains, these players that, oh, these are going to be great, we brought them from you know, the Latvian League or whatever, that doesn't work for them. But if you see their, their squad right now, they have a strong base of players that they develop, that yeah. come from the academy and that feel La Real in their hearts. And, and that's very important. Can I, can I take that a little bit further, Benya, and, and ask you, I mean, is there a sense of, and you mentioned it there about the fact that there is that Gipuzkoan identity, right, with, with Real Sociedad, and, and they've never played a game without a Gipuzkoan in their starting 11. They've played a full starting 11 of local players 295 times in terms of the here and now. 16 players in that squad this year are products of the youth system at La Real. And there is that feel that, you know, while the athletic club policy is kind of Basque wide and, and kind of incorporates players from across the region, there's also this feeling that at La Real, there's a kind of hyper-local aspect to it. And I know there's been general discussions about how much yeah. of Vizcaya is, is in the Athletic Academy, is in Lizema, but it is kind of, it feels like Real Sociedad have a very hyper-local policy, whereas athletics is a little bit more Basque-wide. Yeah, uh, it goes also on the narrative of both clubs. Uh, for La Real, it's a case of protecting itself from athletics policy. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, people won't see it, but I'm wearing an athletic jersey that wears the colors of the mass flag. And athletics sometimes, uh, even explicitly, some um, executives of the club have said, like, our goal is to have the best team uh, in the Basque country with the best Basque players. It's to be the Basque national team, sort of. So really upsets people in, in Gipuzkoa or other Basque provinces. So for them, is this idea of, First of all, we're going to protect ourselves. We're going to protect the Gipuzkoan players, not just from athletic, but from that narrative that says, and a lot, there's a lot of people, mostly in Vizcaya, who think that, that the best thing or the main goal for a Basque player is to play for athletic. Obviously, in Gipuzkoa, they don't, say, they don't think the same. So that's why they focus first on developing their, uh, their area, developing Gipuzkoa and developing their players. And it's very important for them. Um, probably for La Real, it's easier to um, develop this identity against what Athletic is trying to represent in yeah. Basque football. Well, Athletic tries usually to look uh, beyond that. No? They, they try to look uh, at Madrid, at Barcelona, at this idea that we're the best club here in the region. We're going to look to other clubs. This uh, drives nuts to some La Real fans. And I understand perfectly why. Oh, yeah. But it is how it is. It, it, it is how both narratives of both clubs are, are built. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? It's the it kind of that, that kind of... When things are being taken from you from above, you look to the very, very local to to take it away. And, and Ben, just to close us off, I, I'd love to ask, what are we missing from not having fans here. We are we are missing a carnival, surely, of blue and white in San Sebastian, of red and white in Bilbao. But, you know, the whole region and the whole area would be so alight for this final. We're missing many things. First of all, 
it's going to be way more painful for whoever loses. Because you know what? You go to this historic final. You have a hell of a day. You drink, you sing, you party, you go. And then in the end, you lose. And it's like, you know what? It did work. I'm just uh, tightening my link to the club. This is great. That's not going to happen this year. It's going to be sad people on their sofas being like, oh, my God, they're going to just mock us for decades. My uh, grandsons are going to be mocked if I'm on the wrong side of these finals. So we are missing all that. And it's pretty sad. And there's also that um, element of political uh, demands. I know, I'm pretty sure that the happiest person with this situation, understand me, just with the final, I'm not saying more, but he's a Spanish king because he's not going to get the traditional whistling that is the cultural, I guess, um, version of the booing here. Uh, that is always a controversial issue every time that Barcelona or Athletic are playing a final this year. Think about... Uh, He'd have had to do it twice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Standing there to the whistling, the disapproval of Basque fans and Catalan fans. We are also going to miss that. And it's part of the folklore of the, of the final. It, it is sad, but after a year, obviously, this had to happen. It's going to be an amazing moment for whoever wins. And I was thinking um, mostly about Athletic fans in Guipúzcoa and La Real fans in Vizcaya. And I don't know, I don't know if they are going to be happy when the game finishes, even if they win. I think they're going to be relieved. They're going to be like, I'm not going to celebrate. I'm going to, I'm going to sleep because I haven't slept in a month, you know? <laughs> I think that's going to be the reaction. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that feeling. That's uh, That was my feeling in the playoff final this season. <laughs> so, uh, so I understand. Uh, Benya, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real, real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for calling. And, you know, whenever you need anything, I'm here for you. Enjoy the final, my friend. Well, that was incredibly entertaining, Sal. I loved that. I absolutely love the fact that these two clubs have spurred each other on and forced a change in the way they operate and they try to one-up each other. They try to get the better of each other. Oh, you sign this guy, we'll sign five of these. Well, we'll, we'll sign six of these. You know, we'll change our practices. It's, it's fascinating to hear of two teams pushing each other and forcing each other to strive for better and for more, just in that element of competitiveness, to just be the kings of the region. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the fact that there's also that friendliness is probably the wrong word, but there's no there's no malice as such between mm. the two sets of fans. And Dean, people used to say this about Liverpool and Everton, right? There used to be this, the, the friendly derby it used to be called, didn't it? Because the fans yeah. used to sit side by side in the stadiums. That's no longer the case. They, you know, the, the rivalry between Liverpool and Everton is arguably more embittered now at this point in history than it ever has been before. It but, seems like it in our lifetime, yeah. But I think with... Real Sociedad and Athletic Club, the traditions that happen before the game, the parade, the fact that the fans mix freely on game days. And, you know, it, there is that element of kind of, OK, we'll do anything to beat you. But, you know, at the end of the day, we are all you know, from the same region. We are all part of this. And, and there are going to be skirmishes. There always are skirmishes, right? There, <laughs> there are always points of contention. Yeah. But there is that element of of brotherhood, I think, here, which is which is always nice to see. Yeah, I'd find it really hard, personally. Like, like you said, we've seen games between Liverpool and Everton where they're sitting next to each other in a Liverpool and Everton shirt and stuff like that. It doesn't really happen anymore. Mainly, you're not allowed to wear the opposite colour shirt um, in, in the other opposition's um, stands. But... Beyond that, like you say, especially like as one becomes more successful than the other, you start to begrudge the other or you resent them for certain things. And like in any walk of life, that kind of thing is just hard to like 
accept right like we all start to like have gripes with people with teams with any associations that other people have and like fair play to them if they can put that aside and like still like remain pleasant with each other despite the fact that they really really want the other person to lose i mean look taylor's That's American. What happens in rugby yeah, to be yeah. Fair. and i was my wife, American sports. my wife cannot get her head around the fact that me and my mates there's like 12 of us really really close like see each other all the time growing up together and this but we always want each other's football teams to lose and we'll <laughs> mock each other and they'll get to a cup final i remember my mates, mates going out to like russia to watch chelsea and we're all like hope you lose hope you lose she's like they're going to russia like at least hope they have a nice time i'm like i hope they have a nice time before the game but i hope they lose <laughs> like it's just ingrained in me so like, i don't know it's just a football thing right yeah, yeah well no it it's just that's an english thing yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> well i don't I, I don't know about that i think that you'd find that kind of sentiment uh, a long way across the continent <laughs> i would suggest i would be the first to decide. let us know if you hate your friends when you're watching football <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> all right i think on that bombshell we should probably call this a day um a quick reminder to get involved with the competition to win that copa del rey athletic club shirt be on our social media you can get involved over there uh with that a massive thank you to new balance and to our guests for helping put this episode together and all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much sam ty thank you mate thank you very much dean jones is mate. enjoy the game on saturday i've been jack collins we hope you have enjoyed this copa del rey preview uh, enjoy the game and alpha athletic Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. 